Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Nickish. It is Saturday, April 9th, 2022. You got your boy Mo here. Pretty much recovered from COVID, so just be careful out there because the shit's not going anywhere. Uh, now, before we bring in my fellow co-host, I want to make sure you guys get a chance to check out our website, nick-ish.com, and get yourself a Nickish hoodie and hat today. It's a dope way for you to show your support of the New York Knicks, and stock is starting to run a bit low, so... Get yourself some Nickish apparel today. And now let's bring in one of our first co-hosts or our first, our co- uh, It's all good. It's all good. I'll take it from here. I know that brain fog got you in the Steiner recliner right now. Got you, got you in the coquina <laughs> clutch. But uh, <laughs> I believe you were going to ask how I'm doing. I'm doing okay. Doing all right, bro. Uh, just happy to have you back. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to our last episode. It was a bit chaotic and disorganized. But uh, me and Faiz, we powered through with uh, with our Nickish compadre Omar, but uh, yeah, happy Omar. to have you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out Omar, shout out Omar. Um, third piece on the way, but uh, yeah, I'm doing good, bro. Um, how you doing, Faiz? Yo, I'm doing great. I'm glad to have Mo back. I'll just say one thing I would easily rather have brain fog post COVID Mo than what we had to do last week because we was struggling. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It wasn't we were that str- bad. <laughs> the behind the scenes. We were struggling, man. Now, now we can attest to that. We were struggling. Yeah, the audience don't need to hear details, but just know, just know <laughs> that uh, our host here, he's a, he's a crucial part. Is a every every piece is a. Glad is to needed. have you back. Every link in the chain is necessary. You know what I mean? <laughs> I I was it. I was down bad in bed. I'm getting texts from Nafi. He's like, "Yo, bro, you sure you want to do this? Let's just push it for a week. <laughs> Let's just do it next week." I'm like, "No, man, we got you guys. Got it. It's all good. Don't worry." It's not that. And as bad. I said to Omar on the pod, I was like, "I bring the chaos. I don't bring the organization for the pod." What are you, t- what are you talking about? <laughs> but yo, fellas, um, if we want to get right into it, I know we had some pleasantries. If uh, the brain fog is uh, kind of loosening its grip on Mo, I think we could talk about Knicks basketball. We had, we had, we had, I'm sorry, that'll be the last joke I make on this podcast. On Definitely the podcast, not. Definitely not. <laughs> Keyword being on the podcast. Personally, I'm cooking his ass. But um, <laughs> we uh, beat Washington last night. Um, clearly a game that the Wizards had no intention of winning since they benched uh, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, and I think Brzingis as well. So we weren't going to out-tank them. Um, yeah, I'm going to throw it back to y'all fellas, man. Uh, I, I, like immediate thoughts in terms of last night's game. Well, before we talk about the game specifically, I do want to talk about the issue that a lot of you know Knicks content creators and Knicks fans are bringing up today, and that's whether or not the Knicks should have won this game. And is it a problem of the fact that we won this game? Isn't that connected right to the game? Kind of, kind of. Never mind. Never mind. It's a brain fog, then, right? <laughs> you keep throwing the punchline. I out told there, you. Stop punchline. I, I told you not. You're not gonna I, let it go. No one believes me. I'm sorry. I'm like five years old. I, just, I see a shiny object. I'm gonna just fixate on it for the whole time. But no, no, no. Good point. Good, uh, good, uh. Um, topic of discussion is just how we feel about just us winning. And apparently the pro tanking crowd is, uh, has been very upset this morning on the online discourse on Twitter or whatever. So how about, how about, how about we phrase it that way? Faiz? What's your take on just the win last night and within the context of just the whole, this whole tanking debate that I figure we maybe have kind of buried a couple of weeks ago, but it keeps, keeps coming up. Right. So what's your take on all that Faiz? 
I mean, like, we're like relatively pro tanking, right? I'm saying Randall's not playing when he could be playing. Derek Rose ha- isn't playing when he possibly could be playing. So those are two of our main key pieces out of the game. And I don't think you can out tank a team like the Wizards, man. Like Bradley Beal's been out. Uh, they sat out the rest of their guys. I think they sat out Porzingis for like injury management like it wasn't even like he had an injury like they were like trying to make sure he doesn't get injured I I don't know so like it's really hard to out tank a team like that and am I going to be mad that Obi Toppin had his career high and played well with Emmanuel quickly no like I yeah it sucks not to get the better pick but I think we've been we've been beating this drum for a while like Whatever the the front office, whatever our organization, the pick that's landed to us, we should be trying to pick within those bounds. Would it have been nice to be in the top nine instead of the top 12 by losing last night? Yeah, but I'm not up in arms over it. Like, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I guess for full context, for throwing it back to Mo, I think going into last night, if we had lost, our lotto odds would have jumped to number nine in terms of like the ranking, which would have given us a significantly bigger chance of getting the number one pick and getting the top four, top five pick. So I guess I see the logic in terms of the angst, but at the end of the day, our young kids balled out and we won. You know what I mean? And like I said, wizards were clearly taken for tonight or last night and we weren't going to match that energy, especially not with Tibbs in charge. So yeah, I guess I kind of get the emotion behind why yeah. these protagonist folks are mad, but at the at the end of the day, there's too much shit to be mad about for us to be mad about a win. You know what I mean? But yeah, I'll, I'll give it off to Mo for his thoughts. Yeah, pretty much. And people are gonna point and say that this is this is like the same old Knicks every year when we have a losing season, we're not doing our best to tank, and we end up winning more games than we'd like to at the end of the season. But this isn't a season like any other season. We have so many young guys. We have a young core to play with now and play for. In previous seasons, we had these no names who wouldn't be in the NBA the following season that are balling out for these pointless games. But now we have our our lotto pick from two seasons ago, Obi Toppin, balling out 35 points, four rebounds, six and nine from the three. We got IQ, a late first round pick, dropping another double double. Like these are these are these are key players that have not been in a core before for the Knicks. And now that we have them and they're showing out, that's more important than you know the difference between a ninth and a twelfth pick potentially. Obviously. Mm. You know, we, we've seen time and time again that there, there could be a big disparity between those kinds of players. But I have faith in our front office as far as the drafting department goes, because we're actually yeah. really good at that, if anything. Knock on wood. Trust, we know how trust to trust uh, Walt Perrin, the exactly. guy, basically. We will maximize whatever pick number we get, whether it's 16, whether it's 12, whether it's 9, whether it's in the top five. We know what we're doing when it comes to drafting. So I have faith in our draft department that they'll pick the best player. And in the meantime, I want to see that Obi Toppin is capable of being a starting four. And, mm. and since we're seeing that in the last four games that he has been, the numbers that he's putting out over 20 points per game, he's putting up a new career high almost every other game now. It, it makes me comfortable that if we move away from Julius Randle being our starting four, we'll be okay. And and we're, with the progress that, that Obi's doing, shout out to David Zanon, the, the trainer who Sir, we had the pleasure the of meeting. Yeah, so someone who've had, who we had the pleasure of meeting last week, he was telling us some, some of the improvements that he's seeing from Obi Toppin, and some of that includes the kind of shots that he's taking where he's not palming the ball over, he's making quicker decisions. He, you know, David Zanon did a quick lesson for us on how he showed Yo, I felt Obi, like he was giving us was, a secret recipe, bro. Exactly. I was like, should he's, we be doing this in public? <laughs> he's like, you got to make a tea with the thumbs. You got to make a tea with the thumbs. You got to put the ball under. You got to do with a three-finger shot. Like, things like that that he's doing to Obi that we're seeing put you know we're seeing the results on the court 
Um, it's it's awesome to see. And we we got a duo right now with IQ and Obi who's showing out game in, game out. And that I'll I'll take a win with those guys any day than a tank kind of game. Yes, sir. Faiz, any thoughts on uh, on uh, the secret the, the the secret we just uh, unleashed on you that uh, Dave's in on? Man, you know, I, had I'm the about to get a basketball right now. Maybe I could get in the league, man. Dave, <laughs> like, I'm saying, listen, uh, I don't know if you guys got to see t- uh, uh, Obi's comment, the the shots he threw at Tibbs basically in the post game. He was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm feeling much more comfortable knowing I'm not going to get yanked out of the game for making a mistake or something." Mm. And we're, we're seeing that we're seeing that live, like Obi shooting well from three instead of giving Taj Gibson shots from the three point line. He's giving Obi the shots, and Obi's been capitalizing on it. And and you know that's we want that's what we want to see. And you know we were talking about it offline before, like. What does these really? What does this mean? Like you know, are mm. are young players playing well in in these last few games? I think on average, young players playing well doesn't really mean much. But we never had an opportunity to see Obi play these minutes with IQ. Like we talked about last week, uh, IQ ha- Kemba has more minutes with RJ than IQ does with RJ, and this is the opportunity. And you know we have to capitalize on it. And I'm sorry if that means that we're going to win. Like you want me to apologize for winning. You want the team to apologize for winning. Like that's just not how these guys are built. That's how you build Mm -hmm. confidence. And it's like last year when Obi played in the playoffs showed that he could play well, and we still didn't give him the minutes. Now he's showing he could play well in the regular season. And there's more of an answer next season that when it comes around, like why isn't Obi playing fans can come back to last this season and be like, why isn't Obi playing? Like, look at what he did with, with the, minutes and like another thing about obi is he's not 21 years old he's not 19 years old like what we need him to play now we need him to develop now there's no time for this shit with with obi and iq they're they're later draft picks so i'm happy i'm happy with what happened i'm not really i'm not up in arms and like you said wall pairing the god bro he's gonna he's gonna capitalize on our pick he's gonna make the maximize it he's gonna make the most out of it so yeah, I mean, Jericho Sims is being a 58 overall pick and him doing what he's doing right now. Completely blown away all expectations. You know what I mean? So I got trust in our front office ability to draft. But you did mention a good point, or at least just in, in terms of kind of like Obi and referring back to an offline convo, you know, we had. Obviously, it was a great game, and we love what we're seeing from Obi recently. But this kind of brings up a question that, you know, I figured we could take some time to explore. Like, was he always capable of this? You know what I mean? Or did, like, the behind-the-scenes development – both from, you know, Obi on his own with Dave Zanon and with the coaching staff, did that lead to improvement in his level of play as a player and, you know, lead, you know, paved the way for what we're seeing right now? Or was he always capable of this and he just never got the time? Like, what do y'all takes on it? I have an opinion and I don't want to seem like we're pro tips here because the pro tips people would just be like, oh, that's Tibbs knew what he was doing. He's not giving these players young time because he's developing behind the scenes, which nobody can really say unless you work for the org, but I just want to get y'all take on it. Like what, what, what is this going on with Obi? Was he just like, this is his own growth behind the scenes. And now he's finally getting a chance to show it out. Or he was always this guy and he just never got the opportunity. What's, what's y'all takes Mo? I'm going to throw back to you first. Well, the fact that we have a former lottery top eight player balling out like this shouldn't come too much as a surprise. And I think Obi has always had the raw talent for it. I think he was a pretty good three point shooter in college and when he came into the NBA, he, he just wasn't in a position to show out the way he's been showing out in limited minutes. He was only he was only put in the corner or he was he had to cut in and try to get a dunk in at any time that he could. But now that he has an opportunity to post up players or get ahead and actually have a legitimate point guard, be able to throw in the ball while he's up 
during a mismatch is different. I think he's always been capable of it, but now we're seeing the hard work pay off and he's, he's, he alludes to it every game now post game where he's saying the hard work that he's been putting in every day. And he plans on doing it every day in the summer is finally mm-hmm. showing out. And now he has a minutes to actually do it. It's hard to really show that level of progress in 15 minutes a game, but when you have 30 plus minutes, you have more time to be able to show it out. So I think he's always yeah. been capable of being a shooter and his first season here, he didn't have the chance to really think before he shot and he had to just kind of act impulsively. And what we saw before was that he would do a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of fakes and then he'll try to drive in. But now we're seeing, especially last night, six of those six threes, I want to say three of those were with a hand in the face and, mm, you know, he, he, he got it and just shot it right there. Same, same shot, same arc. And, um, we're seeing the confidence grow and confidence is probably one of the key is one of the key ingredients to be successful on a basketball court. Once that confidence is shot, that ball is not going in and we're seeing that confidence grow. So I think he's always been capable of it, but he needed the minutes to really show it out. And obviously the work behind the scenes is helping him be able to gain that confidence. What about you fight? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we can, we can credit both, both sides where I think we can say that definitely Obi has been capable of this. He's not playing anything really out of his element. We're seeing what he did in college transition into the NBA. He's not really like, like, you know, he, he, we always knew Obi had a good transition game. We always knew he was good around the rim and his shooting was serviceable. The thing is, uh, Tibbs didn't give him the proper minutes so that he could showcase those talents. But I definitely agree with Mo. I think this is something Obi was always capable of, but he just wasn't put in the right situation. And it's something that goes to what a lot of Knicks fans are always talking about, about a player like Darius Garland, for example, where, oh, if we drafted Darius Garland, he might have not developed into what he is today. Mm. Because I feel like we're always mismanaging and mishandling our talent. And it finally feels like Tibbs has been forced to, to manage our talent well. But, you know, to a psychological degree, I'm going to have to agree a little bit with Tibbs just because I feel like him burying Obi in the bench gave Obi something to work at, something to work mm. for, instead of, let's say, Kevin Knox, who was able to run free for the first two years and do nothing with that. So maybe we live in a world where Obi was able to run free for the first two years and literally do nothing because thing was, things were handed to him. So I, I like I like the way it's going, and I like to see not just Obi, IQ as well, step up and you know do a lot with what the minutes that they have. And you know what I love the most about Obi? He's just not like when he's playing well he's doing things in his element he plays well mm-hmm. in transition so he runs out in transition he plays well around the rim he, he he takes his time with it like instead of forcing himself to be someone he's not like he's been doing over the last basically two years this little sample size i feel like obi's been true to himself and I, i'm hyped to see it I'm, I'm glad to see it you made a good point with just with, as far as just like letting him run free i feel like what we're seeing to kind of aid to your point is also like it's almost like Tibbs is dangling a carrot in front of Obi. He's like, yo, for you to get your playing time, you need to show me this, this, and that good habits behind the scenes. Which we as fans, we're obviously spectators. We can't like say we witnessed that going on behind the scenes, but I feel like that's part partially what Tibbs does with young players, right? He just keeps them at bay and makes them hungry. So then when they do get onto the court, they show out, you know what I mean? But part of me even pushbacks on that, push back, pushes back on that idea a bit. Because, you know, what we were so frustrated about, especially like these last two seasons, especially this season, is like Obi could have gotten those minutes. It's just like, oh, like Tibbs didn't want to move away from what his style of play is. You know, he didn't want to play Obi and Julius mad minutes together in the regular season, even though we saw it in the preseason and we all got hyped. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he's going towards a small ball lineup 
in like crunch time preseason games. We're just like, this could be indicated that he's going to be, you know, amenable to it during the year. And we never saw it. I think that's where the frustration is. I feel like he could have done all that psychological shit with Obi um, while at the same time giving him like throwing him some crumbs like, okay, you know, you will we'll put you in the game and it's not just like you'll be a pure backup to Julius. You're going to be out there playing with Julius. So you need to learn how to play in this context so that when you do eventually take over for Julius, you'll be more comfortable with in-game situations. But we're here now. We can't really like cry or spilled milk, but that's just my take on it. You know, I just feel like it's a little of both like y'all were saying, but I do feel like if Obi got, you know, if we look, you look at the per 36 minutes or stats, right? He's always he's producing at the same level his p his per thirty six minutes that he would in the few minutes that he did get. You know what I mean? I think it's like similar to what Obi's been saying. He has the opportunity, knowing that like he can make mistakes and not worry about being pulled. You know, and I feel like I guess I see the teaching element to that. You know what I mean? But it's also it goes against who Tibbs present himself as. You know, he says he's all about accountability across the roster. He says he's all about like you got to earn your mer- minutes, whatever on merit. But if these vets are getting the leeway to make as many mistakes as possible and the young kids aren't, then that, you know, that's been the biggest frustration we as fans have had. You know what I mean? It's just bullshit, double-sided talk. So that's my whole rant on the OB Tibbs situation. Um, I think we're all in agreement we'd rather Tibbs not be brought back, but I think it's a reality we need to live with. So I guess OB doing this right now is a good thing. If Tibbs is going to be here next season, that means Tibbs will trust him. So this is my whole takeaway long rant on that whole situation. I will say one thing though. I feel like to your point about the, the, the carrot being dangled in front of Obi, I just feel like it's the wrong carrot being dangled. Like it's mm. like, why don't you play well defensively? Why don't you do these things defensively? How about we take a take like the Hornets where they're not really that great on defense. So they just let them rain free on offense. Let's exactly. let's let them do more things on offense instead. Cause we're seeing that this NBA is adjusting more to that where yes, defense is important. Don't get me wrong. You want a good defensive team, but like, the last team to win really well on defense was that Lakers bubble chip. And like, they broke up right after. So like, let, let these kids figure out their offense. Cause we clearly have two problems. It's on defense and offense. So instead of trying to like figure out something that's not going to work out, we know these guys aren't going to be great defenders, maybe work out on the, on the off season, let them shine with their offense. Like we saw miles bridges do this guy yeah. isn't great on defense, but once you get energized with the offense, once you like click in there, the defense will come to you. The things like that will come because like, it's hard to play defense. It's not as hard as offense, in, in exactly. my opinion. It's tough. And if we could get a, a Miles Bridges type of player out of Obi, why not? He's a human highlight reel, just like Miles Bridges. He could shoot just like Miles Bridges. And uh, in my opinion, he's honestly better in transition. Like what we see Obi do around the rim, there are not a lot of players in the NBA who could do the same thing. Like exactly. I remember last night we were watching the game and they're like, yeah, you know, IQ needs one more assist for a double-double. Bam, we got an IQ to OB lob right there. And they both, OB gets his 30 points, IQ gets his double-double, like literally in one play. Like wh- how many players can impose their will on, on a team like that? I feel like I feel like I started really like calm on Tibbs, but I'm getting frustrated again because <laughs> we could have we could have been seeing this. We could have been seeing this from IQ and OB, so... I mean, that in itself, what you just said, is kind of points out the conundrum with Tibbs. And I'll let Mo take it over after this. It's just like, yeah, he's never going to be the guy to like orient his roster and his coaching towards offense first, even if it'll be good for the development of the youth. Because you're right, Charlotte, you know, I've seen some frustrations with their coach. But one of the things people like about him is the fact he's letting his young guns run free and kind of launch them into an upper echelon, almost upper echelon offensive level. 
Tibbs is never going to be that guy. And here's who he is. He's, he's old as shit. He's a zebra. That's not going to change his stripes. You know what I mean? So with that being said, though, I think with Obi, a lot of what it boils down to, the comparison you made with Miles Bridges, I want to hit on as well. That's a good one. Because I think Obi's bigger. He's got more of that fluid athleticism. Not Miles Bridges is a freak, but I feel like Obi, even the little things he does, like when you bring up the point that he's dominating in ways where he's like, he's already good at it's part of the game it doesn't feel like he's imposing his will on the game it doesn't feel like he's taking over or trying to be a ball hog it's he's just playing his game he's running the floor he's making good cuts he's like even the little things right now before last year in the, in his rookie season it was like he was getting overpowered he didn't really have core strength now you're seeing he's sealing his man in the post getting that lob thrown to him or getting that nice pass and he has amazing hands you know what i mean and he's able to finish and he's these little things that just show that we have a really crazy young core right now, bro. Just on a whole different level. But I think I wanted to chime in on the OB point, OB tips point. So let me throw yeah, back I to mean, him before we go off the rails. Real talk. If Randall's still on the team, we're still going to be having this conversation next season. It's not yeah. going to stop. No matter what. We saw it with Alfred Payton the whole time. Last season, we see it with Alec Burks and Kemba this season. If Randall's on this team next season and looks like Tibbs is going to be on the, is going to be the head coach of the Knicks next season it's going to be an issue. and We're not going to see OB getting the minutes that he should be getting. But I digress from that. I want to touch on, on IQ, man. He, he deserves mm-hmm. the praise that he, he should be getting. I mean, with the rise of OB, we're seeing the rise of quickly. And these guys, according to Zanon, are really, really good friends. And obviously, it's clear on and off the court that these guys are looking for each other on the court, and especially IQ. He's looking for OB at every point that he can which is a fresh take because we didn't, we wouldn't really see that if IQ is not on the court with Obi. I mean, 23, 10 and six last night, he only started two games this season. IQ has only started two NBA games and Alec Burke started like 42, something like that. Um, And the last, not just four games, which is the stats that we're using for Obi, but the last 18 games, right? So a lot of these are hard fought games between between teams that are trying to make the playoffs and play in tournament iq is averaging 16 points per game five rebounds five assists shooting 38 percent from the three and 43 percent from inside so obviously he's got some work to do on inside the paint but he's playing like a legitimate point guard and tibbs really liked alec burks because that guy can rebound but looks like iq can as well the, the numbers show it he is capable of rebounding the ball and defensively he's been solid as well but I think I think IQ is ready to be a starting point guard, but I want to throw out the question to you guys: If Randall is to be traded this off season, and I think we're all kind of on the same boat that we agree that we should trade for a point guard, do you guys think that it's more pertinent to do that at, while we're seeing the way IQ's playing, or does it make more sense to get a, a guy like Malcolm Brogdon or um, you know someone like of that caliber and have IQ be a six man and? basically that point guard and IQ finish the fourth quarter together. Cause Evan Fournay is probably not going to be that guy defensively ever. What do you guys think? Fias, let's start with you. I mean, if you're going to ask me if I can get a player like Malcolm Brogdon on the team, I'm going to say yes, 10 out of 10 times. He, Malcolm Brogdon is a, is a great defender. He's great on offense. So if we could add him to the starting lineup, I, I'm going to say yes every single time, regardless of IQ's development. IQ has been developing really well, but Hey, especially with uh, the injury history of Derek Rose, why is that a problem when Derek Rose could go out again next season and IQ could take that role over for him. Malcolm Brogdon starting and IQ could run the bench or 
Malcolm Brogdon could go out and IQ could go run the bench. Like I feel like having a plethora of guards who can run the offense, handle the ball. That's not a problem. Like, I feel like having a starting caliber player, like, like Malcolm Brogdon would be great. And Hey, I, I saw a Twitter picture thing uh, the other day. You need good mentors for these guys. And Derek Rose is a great mentor for IQ, but he's a score first type of point guard. That's what he's been through his career. Maybe a player like Malcolm Brogdon could actually help to add up because, um, Malcolm Brogdon could uh, uh, help IQ understand how to facilitate the offense. So um, I feel like if you're asking me about Malcolm Brogdon, I'm going to say yes. If you're going to ask me about a player like Jalen Brunson, on the other hand, I might say no, just because mm, I, I, I was the a, I was the person switch. who that's was. A pivot. Yeah, you know, I was the person who was really aiming for Jalen Brunson. I was asking for Jalen Brunson on the, the team. I was like, I was someone who really wanted Jalen Brunson on this team. But the thing is, IQ could be that Jalen Brunson type of player. So why do I have to pay a player like Jalen Brunson when Jalen Brunson basically found his surgeons by playing off the bench, like a similar role to IQ, and then he came up. So if it's between those two, it's two different things. But if you're asking about a player like Malcolm Brogdon, which you did, I'm going to say yes every single time because Malcolm Brogdon has shown he's a good starting NBA uh, point guard who can play with other personalities like DeMontis Sabonis, like uh, TJ Warren, was that his name? Like other other players, like he can facilitate while playing with other guys like that. So I think he would really help out. But yeah, yeah. I think Brogdon also fulfills like the Tibbs, like oversized point guard fetish mm-hmm. he has, mm-hmm. which is why he's been starting Burks. Brogdon is more of a pure point than Burks. He's also bringing the same size, like what, 6'4", 6'5". He could play like one, two, even three in the modern NBA. My biggest thing with him, and I wanted to get y'all take on it, just like the injury issues, the injury history. He's out right now. I know he just got paid. And he's also, he's kind of like, he was in the same boat as Obi when he came into the league. He was really old for a rookie, like 23, 24. You know what I mean? So are you guys worried about that? Because I think I'm agreeing. I'm agreement with y'all i think brogdon the player would be a nice hand to glove fit and yeah there might be people out there that like are super dead set on iq starting but i just feel like brogdon complements iq's game and rj's game but i want to get y'all take on just does do the injury issues scare you away from brogdon or do you think that's something that like we can manage um if we were to kind of attain him in a julius for brogdon kind of scenario i'm gonna start with mo if if all we need to get brogdon is to trade randall i'll do it in a heartbeat i mean he's gonna be Brogdon is going to be 30 years old at the end of this year. I just looked up his birthday is December, um, but he has a contract where he's an unrestricted free agent in 2023. So for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. We're only going to be held to him for one more, for one season, pretty much. And is it a player option or is it like it's fully it's, guaranteed until 2023? I think it's fully guaranteed till 2023. If I'm not, mis- if I'm not mistaken, all I see is that he's an unrestricted free agent then um you sure not, he did get I'm a not, he he had a contract extension before the season started i figured that was like a four-year deal and quick maths four plus 2021 is 2025 what do y'all can check me if i'm oh, wrong you know that? what you're right you're right isn't, my bad he is an unrestricted uh, so there goes my whole point <laughs> he's an unrestricted free agent in 2025 <laughs> so i gotta think about this one um that's still that's still a pretty good contract though that's like is. what two years like i yeah, I'd rather have that than Julius's contract. He's <laughs> hardly played the last two seasons. I, I don't remember seeing this man play in, in like two ah, years. So, so you're saying he's fresh. I mean, this season, fresh legs. This, fresh. This, season, this season, he hasn't had a reason to really play. So this season, yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to chalk true. it up to that. So, But and if low- it's at I mean, the expense of Randall, I'll do it. Because we still have IQ and OB. Exactly. There. I feel like I feel like the, adding that to helps to 
IQ's point where like, you know, we have a stable of, of point guards where you have mm. Brogdon, Derek Rose, IQ. Brogdon and Derek Rose go down and Deuce. Uh, Brogdon and Derek Rose go down. You promote IQ to starting point guard. There you go. Like, you know, bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> we get what we wanted. But I don't know, man. I I, I I'm personally biased because I think a point guard like Brogdon would really help what we need. Cause like the wizards announcers were talking about it last night. I feel like the Knicks really are just a point guard. Who's like a triple threat type of player away from really competing in the playoffs. Like uh, a player who can score, facilitate the offense and defend and Brogdon mm. answers all three of those questions. Right. And they yeah. already have Halliburton there where they don't really need Brogdon and, and they don't they have Sabonis anymore. Exactly. So Randall would fit right in. I think between those two, some may see Randall as a better prospect than Brogdon. Mm-hmm. Just he's younger. He's had, he's, he's younger. He's, he has had a better season last season than Brogdon has had in pretty much, you know, most of his career. And to add to that point, Miles Turner and Julius Randall are like boys, boys. Cause they're both from like the Dallas area. And they were mm. saying over the off season, they were training together. So there's that human element as well, where Julius would probably, I mean, he's probably fed up with New York anyway. So nice, quiet, bumblefuck place like Indiana. Exactly. He probably plays better in a smaller market. And honestly, probably plays better with a point guard who could actually facilitate an offense like Yeah, it's a good basketball fit. Yeah, because him and Halliburton, I feel like it's a nice fit. You know what I mean? And then him and Turner, it's like we were trying to get Turner and Julius on our team last year when we, you know, we were all thinking Julius is the real deal. We're looking at the math wrong. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And And I feel like Indiana's at a position where they can really risk that because they're not really like competing necessarily. And then maybe like adding Randall could help them wait for a player like TJ Warren to come back. Like, I think everyone's happy if something like that. Facts, yo, where the fuck is Larry Bird? Get him on the phone. I don't know if he's still with that Indiana (laughs) franchise, but I've also I also did hear that Indiana and New York have like only like one trade done in the last like 20 years yeah, or something. historical rivals. Like, but I also yeah, feel like to your point, though, it's like Indiana for like the last 20 years, they never tank and they're not contenders, but their biggest uh, franchise model seems to be we always want to be competitive because nobody's trying to come see us anyway. So what's the point of us tanking? Because they're a small market. So I think a Julius Randle, Ty- Tyrese Halliburton slash Miles Turner, big, big trio or big three, that's the type of 45 win-ish thing that a Indiana, you know, be getting horny over all the time. You know what I mean? Consistently so, making playoffs. Like above. They get TJ Warren back. This man, like, balled out in the, in the bubble and just, like, said, nah, I'm done. <laughs> I don't want people to think I'm a fraud. <laughs> I'm never going to play again. So if he, if they get him back, there you go. It's a nice core. I don't know if the math works, but I think Brogdon is making more money than Julius, right? Mo? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it's, like, 23 mil, which is – a little bit over what Julius is making. I think mm. I think Julius is making me, what twenty. Let me ask y'all though, just because I want I'm not to seem like I'm harping on the contract thing, but there are people out there that are even still like pissed about Evans' contract, and I feel like we're all in agreement mm. that Evans kind of provided value on this deal, but yeah. you know Brogdon's almost making double what Evan is. So like, how does uh, that kind I of think, affect I, I, our I, I, trajectory as far as like trying to pursue you know some bigger names? You know, like I think, Donovan um, Mitchell, whoever. Yeah, God, it's my bad. No, no, you're good. I think Brogdon's making like 85 in four years. So it's like 21 mil. It's it's not much more than it's not much more than um Fournier. And Fournier is definitely a little bit of an overpay, but hey man, we've been making the most out of him playing with Obi. He's looked so good with Obi Toppin. So mm. it's just mismanagement of our assets again. Like I know we keep saying this every week, but that's what it's been. Fournier has been looking much better. And I think you add a player like Brogdon, you get even more value from a player like Fournier, who doesn't, who's not asked to run the offense for for you know spurts at a time. Instead, you can ask um 
Brogdon to run the offense entirely, RJ to run those few spurt, the, those few like moments, and then Fournier maybe one or two plays every once in a while, which just makes every asset better. Okay. It's it's interesting though if you're asking if if Brogdon versus Randall is a better prospect in like a year or two. If you're talking about a bigger fish that w- that we might target, would Brogdon be a better prospect? That's actually pretty interesting. I'm not sure. I, I think the, the the math there is that like well Brogdon. And we all love Obi. So what I'm going to say right now is not me trying to get Obi out the door already, but Brockton switching Julius out for Brockton will allow Obi to play more, thus increasing his value, which could make him more enticing to a possible contender or a possible team that has a star we're eyeing. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. That's my take on the situation. I think switching Julius out for Brockton puts every other piece on a roster in their ideal positions or closer to their ideal positions, which in fact would increase their values if they continue to be on that upward trajectory. So that's my take on it. I think it's not going to be about who's going to be more worthwhile in a deal versus Brockton and Julius for a possible future deal for a star. I think it's about how Julius versus Brockton affect our, the rest of our assets. You know what I mean? That's the discussion that needs to be had. At least that's my take. What do, what do you think, Faiz? I think if we dump Randall, though, we have to keep Obi because like, yeah. we kind of need someone in that position unless Cam Reddish can play the full-time power forward, which I'm a little skeptical of. I don't know if he could play full-time at power forward. I think he could do a lot of things that forwards can do, but I think right. if, if we move on from Randall, Obi would ideally stay on the team. Now I, it's going to break a lot of hearts. And this, this is what the whole point of this, these exercises are. I think if you're talking about targeting a bigger fish, uh, if you're looking at a player like Donovan Mitchell and you have Brogdon on the team, you might have to move on from IQ because like the guard yeah. depth completely changes where uh, Donovan Mitchell is kind of like IQ on steroids, you know, like kind of does like the same thing that, you know, he's like a combo scoring guard who has transitioned more into like a point guard type of role, but his job becomes easier with a player like Malcolm Brogdon, similar to Mike Conley ish. You know what I'm trying to say? So then like, you don't want to move on from a player like Obi because you need that position to be filled because we're we're kind of we're kind of empty there with Randall being out, but that's fine. You don't really need a depth that power forward like that. You can afford to use Cam Reddish in those extra minutes, but then you want depth at the guard position with yeah. you know Malcolm, RJ, possibly Donovan Mitchell or IQ. You know, like however it goes. I mean, do we want to get into that? Because there has been some drama on the Utah front, which. I'm ready. ready you next. know I'm ready to get into that. <laughs> so Donovan Mitchell is the name we brought up. And obviously there's an appetite for us to like pursue him this summer, especially with like these reports. And I'm talking about like ESPN insider motherfuckers saying like, yo, if shit goes left for Utah in the playoffs, that 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 duo is getting broken up. When it goes left. I'm, I'm, manif- left, yeah. I'm manifesting this. <laughs> no, bro. I'm, it's Utah, I, bro. <laughs> you, you ever seen that meme of the, the your biggest hater at the funeral? I'm ready, bro. I'm the biggest hater at the <laughs> nah, funeral. I'm the meme where I'm just like, <laughs> you're watching your enemy's downfall because you prayed yes. on it with like the big ass yes. eyes. It's like I'm yes. watching the hell out of this downfall for Utah. But That's- um. I've been playing on this downfall for a few seasons, bro. And they make it easy for us, bro. Yeah. We don't even need to pray. They, they're doing it for us. Bro, most swaggerless city, most swaggerless franchise. I Donovan, can't, I, bro, I'm so Donovan, happy it's happening to them. Donovan is clocked out of that team. You know how you know? Because if he wanted to win, he would get Rudy Gobert more involved in the offense. And this guy's averaging two passes a game to this Not guy. Not even assists, bro. Not two, a, passes. two passes Crazy. a game. So Donovan doesn't want to get this guy involved anymore. So he doesn't care about winning for that franchise anymore. And That's I beef. think <laughs> a, lot of people, a lot of people are talking about like, oh, yeah, they're going to move on Rudy Gobert and then rebuild around Donovan Mitchell. That team doesn't 
doesn't mean much. Well, what are you going to get for Rudy Gobert? I'm sure you'll get some assets, but nothing to make you compete all of a sudden against these Western Conference teams because the Suns are a juggernaut. The Mavs are clearly moving up without Porzingis. Like yeah. these teams in the West do not, they're not here to play. And I think Donovan can see that. And that brings to mind like the interesting question to who do you think is more likely for them to move? Because, you know, we're, I'm assuming that the Utah organization aren't like filled with idiots. They know, they're hearing the exact chatter we're hearing. They're probably hearing more chatter than us fans are privy to as far as Donovan's thoughts about the franchise. But at the same time, they probably also recognize he's younger and he's probably a better asset. But Rudy's a guy that's been there longer and he's like ride or die with Utah. And for a small market like Utah, I feel like they weigh that heavily. You know what I mean? They want like a player that, they can build around and that their local fan base, all those Mormons will have somebody, you know, they could pridefully root for, <laughs> you know what I mean? So who do you think is more likely? You think Rudy's more likely to be kept or you think Donovan's more likely to be kept? Let me ask Mo if you want to chime in. I think, I think Rudy Gobert is going to be more likely kept, but not because they want to keep him. I mean, he's going to be 30 years old this year and Donovan Mitchell's 25 or 26 years old. So I think, I think just because Donovan, like Faiz mentioned, is a way better asset to get trade pieces back. Rudy Gobert is, is a big man who's on his, what, 10th season, 11th season in the NBA. I mean, at How that point. How defensive players of years he has? About 10, right? No, or like some shit like that. Like four yeah, or five. but <laughs> like at, at a certain point, you know, the big man doesn't, doesn't last for that much longer in the NBA. Mm. So he has maybe like two, three years where he's capable of working at an all-star or at least near all-star level play. But I think out of necessity, it'll have to be Donovan Mitchell just so they could get, they just so they could recoup the most back from giving up one of their star players. Um, But I think if they, if they, you know, if if they could recoup good players back from Gobert, I think they'll give up Gobert. Because they'll be uh, way you, more competitive with Donovan. Are you saying that because you you're a Knicks fan and you want to orient it towards Donovan being the one to get dealt here, or like are you saying that just because you be, you do believe that like Gobert is more likely to be kept? Like what? No, I, I just think that's that's more likely. I'm not saying I'm not speaking as a Knicks fan. I just think logically speaking, that's more likely what's going to happen. Um, but no, nah, man, I, it's, I love it's just it. rare when logic and like Nick's fanhood intertwine like that. Cause like we, we sound like homers, those, but at the same time, things, no, those two things cannot be in the same sentence. Yeah. Right? But like now it is because it, it, it does works. look like it, it makes works. the most sense for them to keep Rudy. So I'm just like, oh, okay, I guess I we're think, not crazy here. Huh? I think, what, this what about whole you, thing, I think this whole thing just depends on what Donovan says. If Donovan comes out and says that I don't give a shit who you trade, I don't give a shit what you do. I'm leaving no matter what. I think they have no choice but to move Donovan. I think he knows that he's in control of the situation. He's the star player. Now, I think ideally, <coughs> I think ideally, Utah would want to move Gobert. But the thing is, what va- like what Mo said, what value do you get from Gobert? Because the teams that are looking to add Gobert already have a team established, if you know what mm. I'm trying to say. Where yeah. like it's the Mavs, it's it's like the Hornets and stuff. So yeah, they could give you like Gordon Hayward, but like. If I'm Donovan Mitchell, why do I want to play with Gordon Hayward? He's injury right. prone. He's at a he's at an older age. Like I, I, that doesn't really mean much to me. But then when you're trying to put, trade a player like Donovan Mitchell, all of a sudden teams like Homer Bias is coming out. The Knicks get involved, and then you can get a plethora of picks. You can get young players, or let's put the bias aside. Miami gets involved because you know Miami seems like a pretty legit destination for Donovan. And then you yeah. get a player like Tyler Hero, someone you can build around. So. You know, if I'm ja- if I'm the Jazz, I'm in a very particular situation right now. And I think 
it's Donovan. It's all about Donovan. Donovan's the one who's going to lead the team. He's the one who's going to answer these questions. And I really want to see him stand up and do some shit because he could end up like Damian Lillard, where he ends up just prolonging something that's bound to happen. Something like you're, you're not going to stay on this team for long. Look like they have let up almost as many like 20 point leads as the Knicks have. Like that's kind of sad on a team with Rudy Gobert on a team with like, pretty good role pieces a team that last year was like contending for the number one seed in the west and shit and even with that advantage they lost to the clippers who had like trade man and stuff like the, the jazz situation is ridiculous right now also, and I think Donovan... when was the last time an all-star big man who doesn't shoot the three got traded that's a bonus Trade just, he, he can shoot. He, he can shoot, shoot offensively. Yeah, shoot yeah but not like, like, like that. I mean, like, I mean, oh, like, Rudy Gobert cannot shoot. Capella like, Rudy Gobert does not shoot. Capella, Capella got traded. Capella. And Gobert is like an upgraded version. But Capella also mm. got traded for nothing almost. Like, that was a pretty, that was a steal. And he wasn't an all star at that point either. That's true. Or also, I mean, not that he is an all star, but he wasn't at that. At that I, I think I, mean, I get most point. He's trying to say, like, what are you going to get for him? Like, there yeah. isn't And I don't think people are interested in trading for a big man who can't shoot. And again, the teams who are, are the ones that are already developed. Like the teams that are just one piece away. Where Donovan isn't a team that's one piece away. It's maybe a team that has a little bit more down the line. And those teams have their picks. Like the Mavs don't have their picks. The Hornets have some picks, but all those teams are already ready to compete. They just want to add a guy like Gobert. I think desperation does tricky things. So, And like you brought up the Mavs. I feel like I saw a lot of Mavs writers were saying like, yo, Donovan only passes to Rudy like twice a game. Literally, Luca will get it to Rudy twice in two minutes, like not even 20 seconds. You know what I mean? And I feel like there's got to be, you know, Mark Cubans, he's a, he's always trying to like go for big and try to like, especially now that he has the Luca Doncic contract extension on his books, he wants to make sure every year he's doing whatever it takes to make sure they're competitive. This year they had switched out the coach, which did a, a, a big, a big improvement to them. They switched out KP for uh, two solid pieces in Dinwiddie and uh, Bertans, despite their ugly contracts. I feel like their desperation could lead to, like, him doing a godfather offer for Rudy Gobert, of all people, like, this summer. And, like, yeah, they don't have their 2023 pick, but, you know, seeing how the NBA works, they could give up the 2025, the 2027, 2029 pick, whatever the fuck, give up anything possible to get that, make that happen, man. I think they will be wary, though, after that Porzingis trade, after they did the godfather trade for Porzingis at such a young player, you know, and didn't end up working out. And then beyond that, I think it does come back to Donovan because Donovan's going to say, what's the package I'm getting back? I don't give a shit about picks. You're going to bring me back picks for Rudy Gobert. I'm out. I, I don't I don't give a shit about these picks. I want players to compete with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. All right. I mean, I feel like it will definitely be interesting to see what happens over the next few something weeks. Something to watch. Definitely yeah, definitely. Something to I'm going to be watching that Utah. I never watch Utah playoff games. First of all, I like, I like Donovan's game, but see, I would never now ever. That Porzingis, now that Porzingis is off the Mavs, I'm rooting for the Mavs to curb stomp the Jazz. 1,000%. And, and they, they look like they could do it, man. The Mavs. Have, team Reggie Bullock, man. Shout out. Yo, Bull. That's my guy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The the the, the consummate three and D professional. He was who, for all we know, he was fucking Julius's babysitter last year. And then, Yo, y'all could that, root that, for the y'all could yeah. root for the four Frank Nilakina minutes a game, bro. I, I'm rooting hey, for Reggie. Bullock. Four minutes. He's gonna, gonna be, be put in though. there. He'll be put four out mi- there. Yo, to get that stop. Yeah, he's the French connection, bro. Last yeah. minute to get a stop on Donovan Mitchell, like the Hawk series. Oh my god. Hopefully it works out this time. Yeah. Yeah. I think we want to wrap up here and I think we yeah. got 
what we got? We got one last got, game. Two games one left, last right? game. One last one game. Last game for the next season. Game eighty two. Oh, oh Lord, thank facing? the Lord. Here. Toronto, Toronto, right? How y'all think we go? We go on in a blaze of glory, or what do you think? You think Tibbs is gonna at halftime just go to the center court, drop down his pants, take a shit, and say I'm out? Like, either way, I mean, I'm assuming RJ is out for the game. I'm assuming RJ is not coming back. I'm assuming Grimes is coming back. Um, I think that the Raptors have the one thing that a lot of these NBA teams don't have, which is vertical length. These guys are really tall, big players who can actually play make and stuff. And I think they're gonna be able to neutralize OB and and the rest of our team and. I think I think it's gonna be a pretty bad loss. I think the Raptors are looking to make a statement. They're really looking to show Philly again that they don't need Kawhi. They they could stomp them out. So I think we're gonna be the the you know what they stomp out on the way there. So yeah, it's, we had it's no a RJ. So I feel like yeah, exactly. So we There's no RJ. It's a home game and they're trying to get into the play. Oh, Sunday, Sunday home game, right? Uh, uh, it, wait, is it a home game for us or for Toronto? Yeah, it's it's, our, it's our last home game. Oh, they coming into town and just wiping the floor with us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, yo, shout out Scotty Barnes though. Like they go, Raptors got himself one. I remember that boy because nice. I didn't pay attention to the draft coverage that much leading into this year, but I saw people were like shocked and pissed when they took Scotty Barnes what fourth or fifth overall, and that kid's been looking special. So Wait, was it, give a was shout it out like- to. Uh, to them what, for that pick. what happened was it like the magic fans were hyped that scotty barnes got picked so they could yeah, get like jalen suggs exactly <laughs> jalen suggs is like plays like your local fucking 7-eleven cashier so it is what it is i actually had a lot more high hopes for jalen suggs but see scotty barnes he's he's exactly what you're looking for in the nba like exactly. a, 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 a big wing who can you know play make a little bit rebound a, a, a whole lot of everything and he might be that re- good replacement for Kawhi. like obviously no one's gonna be Kawhi. But we thought Kevin yeah, Knox was going to be that. Oh. <laughs> the Knox was going to be a Paul George. Use the bro. word we li- use the word we liberally. I actually thought Kevin Knox could be like Tatum, bro. Yeah, yeah. I'm so stupid, bro. We all we all had it. It was the summer league uh, fever dream. <laughs> Even despite in summer league, he shot thirty five percent. So you know we should have we should have realized it when Zion like he ripped the ball out of his hands. That was oh, that was demoralizing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mo, what's your what's your take, and then uh, take us home. Uh, 102.95. I'll try oh, to keep it somewhat close. The Knicks, the Knicks, uh, lose their <laughs> final home game of the year. <laughs> I might have to lock in that bet. <laughs> no, nah, yeah, that was very specific. You know, something we don't like. Okay, I'm gonna log into the app right now. Mo, Mo took the week off to work with Vegas, bro. That's yeah. what I learned. Makes sense. There's fucking Ace Rothstein over here. Shout Man. out Casino Elite Movie. Wait, before before we wrap out, I want to shout out the Yankees, bro. Getting that win over the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. They better win today too. They better win today too. Cause I am not trying to see I'm not trying to see Boston win. The hell y'all talking about? Is this cricket? What is this? Baseball? <laughs> huh? the fuck is that? Listen, listen, man. Once the next season is over, you know what I'm into. <laughs> I gotta I gotta find something. Uh, NFL draft coverage, bro. That's where I pretend to be an expert on middle linebackers from University of Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get into soccer. Actually, I think I think that oh, started World the Cup Premier League. Up, right? the, the Premier League. Oh shit! The oh, World Cup. Footy, brother. It's not soccer. Look at you. You're trying football, to get into. Football. You sound like a poser. Football. Right? Football. Football. <laughs> All right. So that wraps up this episode of Nickish. Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nickish Show. Make sure you check out our website nick-ish.com. Get yourself a hoodie and hat today. Until next time, take care, everyone. Peace. Peace. Peace.